Well, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and I can see the Holy Spirit has been tailoring the whole service so far because today I am going to talk about spiritual warfare. Today I want to talk about knowing your enemy. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, let's read. It says, finally, my brethren, Christians, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts in wicked, uh, of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. I, I just went a step further, but that's all right. Go to 2 Timothy. The Holy Ghost must have wanted it. Amen? Oh, glory. 2 Timothy 2 and verses 3 and 4 I want to look at here. Are you having fun yet? Oh my, this is, what, a, what an awesome anointing in here. Glory to God. People last night who came to the healing service afterwards said, there is just something special in this place. I said, we said, it's the presence of God is what you're feeling. Amen? Second Timothy 2, 3 and 4 says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlist him as a soldier. Now, it is interesting to me that the word of God refers to us as Christians as soldiers. If you haven't experienced some level of spiritual warfare, you haven't even entered you haven't even stepped through the door of the Christian life. See, we have a spiritual enemy on this earth. And it's Satan and demonic spirits, or evil spirits also called. And I have found out that a lot of Christians, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, that a lot of Christians stop short in that verse and they just leave it at, we wrestle not. You know what I'm saying? They want to ignore the whole spiritual warfare aspect of the Christian life. They don't want to talk about, they don't want to hear about the devil. They don't want to hear about evil spirits. And spiritually speaking, they choose to bury their heads in the sand about it. Many Christians think that the enemy's not going to bother them if they don't talk about them. If they don't learn about them or their tactics. And Satan and evil spirits, listen to this, that's not going to rile them up. I mean, well, they're not going to like it, let's put it that way. But what I'm saying is, they hate you and I already. Alright? Why? Because Satan and evil spirits hate you and I because God loves us. They hate everything that God loves. And they love everything that God hates. Let me say that again. Satan and evil spirits, they hate everything that God loves. And they love everything that God hates. 
Don't ever forget that. In the kingdom of God, ignorance is not bliss. It is downright lethal. God warns us in Hosea 4.6. He said, my people, underline that in Hosea 4.6, my people. He didn't say sinners. He didn't say the unbeliever. He didn't say the Satan worshiper. Hello, somebody. He said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now, wouldn't it be foolish, follow me on this, wouldn't it be foolish for leaders in our military to try to talk about the enemies of the USA and the tactics of the enemy and for the soldiers to say, hey, look, I don't want to talk about the enemies or their tactics because you're bringing glory to them about talking about them and their tactics. I just want to talk about Barack Obama. I don't want to talk about the enemy. Don't want to learn about them. I just want to talk about Obama. And the leaders say, but we need to know how to recognize the enemy. We got to know how to come against them. And the soldiers say, no way. Let's just talk about Barack. Now, maybe there are some airheads in our military who, uh, who want to talk about Barack and not the enemy. Hello, somebody. But come on now. How foolish is that? You see how foolish that sounds in the natural? Well, that is the kind of scenario that happens in the body of Christ when Christians refuse to talk about or learn about the enemy from a biblical perspective and how to effectively war against them. I said learn about them from a biblical perspective, not from some stupid Dan Brown book on demons and angels. Hello, somebody. That's the doctrine of demons. He's not coming from the Bible on that. Hello. I think I got the name right, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, I got it right. Stay away from him, all right? But those Christians, those Christians who don't ever want to talk about or learn about the enemy, they simply, they flippantly throw this out. They say the, de- the devil and demons, they're defeated foes. Well, legally speaking, yes, that is true. Legally, it is. But that victory must still be enforced by you, the Christian. It must be enforced. You must exercise your authority that you have through Jesus Christ. So many, they throw out a truthful statement. But they use it in a sense where they're trying to ignore their responsibility in the matter. You understand what I'm saying? See, Christians are real good at that. We'll throw out these little statements and stuff, but we're unwilling to do what it takes to receive the blessing. Amen? Now, uh, so it must be enforced. Say if you had an uncle... Your uncle left you a million dollars in his will. He passed away, went home to be with the Lord, left you a million bucks. Do you automatically just get that money? Huh? No, of course not. There's some things legally you need to do. You're probably going to have to go to a probate court or uh, the courthouse. You're you're probably going to have to go see the judge. You might have to sign some paperwork. Are you hearing me? My point is there's still some action in the natural that you have to take. 
And the same goes true with this. Absolutely, Satan and evil spirits are defeated foes. They know that, but they also know better than you and I that we need to exercise our authority or they're going to kick our butts all day long. Now, in John 10.10, Jesus called Satan. He called the enemy, Satan and evil spirits. He called them a thief. Now, let me ask you this. Since when does a thief play by the rules? I mean, have you ever had, if you ever got robbed at your house or something, did, did a thief just come up to your door and, hi, my name's Jack. I just want to come in and rob your house. Would you let, you know, they don't do that. What do they do? They might break a window. They're going to try to come in. They're going to find any opening to get in to your house. And by the way, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is a house. Actually, you're, you know, we could go into a whole doctrine about this whole thing, all right? The Holy Spirit dwells in your spirit, man. Your spirit, man, dwells in your body. That's why it says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Doesn't mean that a Christian can't be demonized. All right, that's a whole other topic there. We'll get into that some other time. But the enemy wants Christians to remain clueless about them and their function. They don't want us to learn about our authority in Christ. And they will take advantage of our ignorance or our lack of knowledge. That's why I said the enemy doesn't play fair. Well, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to get involved with Ouija boards. It don't matter. You still gave the enemy legal right in your life by playing with it. Are you hearing me, somebody? It doesn't matter if you knew it or not. The enemy knows it, and you gave him an opening. And guess what? He's a thief. He's going to come in. In the spirit realm, there are only two kingdoms. Two kingdoms. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. That's it. You're either advancing one or you're advancing the other in your life. Now, Satan, Lucifer, or what we call him the devil, our adversary, is the leader or commander of evil on this earth. All right? The Bible calls him in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world. Now, that word God is a small g. Okay? Now, really, you ever hear someone say, you know, oh, I believe in God. The word God is really a generic term. That's why I always say, you ask them if they believe in Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me, somebody? So don't get fooled if someone, you know, some Jehovah Witness or Mormons come knocking on your door. Hi, we're here, you know, God sent us here. You know, some it, it, people who don't know better, they just let them in. Oh, well, they said they're a believer in God. Are you hearing me? It's where do they stand with Jesus Christ? Do they believe the Jesus Christ of the Bible? All right. But so uh, Satan is the god of this world, this world system in which we live here. Uh, demon spirits are the fallen angels who rebelled against, uh, with Lucifer against God. And they were cast out of heaven and down to earth. Now, I, I know there, there's some teachings that they say, well, there's, there's, um, there's uh, fallen angels, then there's demons, then there's devils. You know... From what I read through scripture, I, I just see that, I, I don't see all that. I, I see it's, it's very basic. The ones who fell out of heaven, they're the evil angels, the fallen angel, angels. Right now, from what I see in the word, they're demons. 
All right? That's, that's how I see it. If you believe another way, okay, great. Uh, but just pray for me that I'll see it, you, you know, <laughs> the way it is. But that's how I see it in Scripture. All right? And, and basically, it's not a salvation issue, so it's not a huge issue. Are you hearing me, somebody? Right? How I many of you know there's certain topics in the Bible that you've got to believe that one way? On some other things, it's not necessarily a salvation issue. It's just you've you got to keep reading the scriptures and pray for revelation from the Holy Spirit on it. Are you hearing me? That's not a salvation issue. All right? <laughs> Go to Luke 10. Go to Luke 10. Oh, Luke 10, verses 18. 18 through 19. And this is, Jesus um, says something here I want to point out. Uh, It says, and he, Jesus, said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, so what is Jesus referring to? I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What he's talking about is when Satan, uh, when Lucifer and those evil angels, when they rebelled against God, that he was saying, I was there and I seen when Satan, uh, Lucifer was kicked out of heaven. He's seen it. Jesus was, he always is, and he's always going to be. Are you hearing me, somebody? All right. So he was referring to Lucifer or Satan's rebellion when he was kicked out of heaven. Now, you need to know some things about the enemy here. Some people, because of their lack of knowledge, they get so paranoid about Satan and evil spirits. You need to understand that Satan and evil spirits are not all-knowing. They are not all-knowing. They're not all-powerful, and they cannot be everywhere at one time like God can. All right? They're not all knowing. Well, well, Pastor James, how uh, you know uh, how can you know the enemy know some things? Because listen, I believe that the enemy will put thoughts in your mind, and people think it's their own thoughts, but it's the enemy putting thoughts in their minds, and they take hold of them. Are you hearing me, somebody? They're not all knowing. They're not all powerful, and they cannot be everywhere at one time like God can. All right, so Satan, he, he can't be everywhere at one time. So most of Satan's bidding or work is accomplished by demons or evil spirits. So the chances of you having a direct encounter with Satan himself is rare because he can only be one place at one time. Right now, somewhere on this earth, Satan is in one location right now. Are you hearing me? And most of his work, he's not here. That's right. I'm glad for that. And amen. So, so you got to know that. So most of the bidding, the attacks that come against your life are not necessarily from Satan, Satan himself. It's from his kingdom. It's from evil spirits that are coming against you in life. All right. This is kind of just spiritual warfare 101 stuff right now. Um, So our war is not a war that is fought in the natural with physical weapons, but a spiritual war that is fought with spiritual weapons. 
Now, this is why I felt like I needed to bring this up. This is why you don't see a very good success rate among secular psychologists and psychiatrists and other secular doctors along that line. Because they're trying to solve a spiritual issue by carnal or natural means. They take the whole spiritual aspect out. And how many of you know, mankind, we are three parts. We are a spirit being, right? We possess a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a physical body. So they're dealing with your soul. They're dealing with maybe body issues, but they kind of let go of the spiritual aspect. But the real you is a spirit, man. You know that, don't you? All right? So uh, some of those doctors can take a person so far, but if they never deal with the root cause, that person will continue to remain in bondage. They'll always fall back into what they were in bondage to before. Because, listen to this, you cannot counsel a demon. You cannot reason with a demon. Hello, somebody. It must be cast out in the name of Jesus. And this is one thing that, why you know, they're, they're just not getting to the root cause, you see. Am I saying that everyone is demon-possessed or demonized? No, I didn't say that. Is it more than what you think? Probably. Probably. Now, I've seen uh, a Dr. Phil show a while back where he was talking about curses and demon possession. Uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't watch his show. But I've seen he was going to be talking about that. So I, you know, I wanted to tune in just to, to see what he was going to be talking about. And these people were no doubt demonized. And had curses over their lives. And of course, you know, Dr. Phil, bless his heart, he, he kind of just kind of brought it down just to a soulish sense and, you know, just kind of bypassing the spiritual reality that's found in the Bible. But, um, but this one girl said that she went to, she was having so many problems in her life. Just not, everything seemed to fall apart in her life. This, this girl, I just, she was demonized. And she no doubt had generational curses in her life because these went, I mean, boom, 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 one right after another of a family member. It's just like, uh, you know, um, what do you call those? You line them up. Domino effect. It was like a domino effect. All right. So, I mean, it was so, so obvious. So she was having problems and she, she wasn't a Christian. And she said she went to a psychic to try to rid herself of demons and to lift these curses. But what was she doing? She was getting more demons. She was putting more curses upon herself by going to see a psychic. Remember, the Bible said that Satan cannot cast out Satan. Right? So, you know, you, you need, we need to stay away from these occult stuff. You're not going to... Let, let's break it down. The only solution is found through Jesus Christ and the word of the living God in a relationship with him. All right. So most of these secular doctors like doc, you know, Dr. Phil and others, they're trying to pick the fruit instead of pulling out the root. Oh, come on. That's rich right there. Some of you maybe been dealing with the fruit, but doggone it, that root's still in there. You haven't been dealing with it. All right. These people try to explain away the spiritual side of every situation. So what happens? Uh, most of these psychologists and these secular doctors get so frustrated that nothing is getting better in the person's life. They just go ahead and, and they give them medication just to kind of to cover the fruit while the root is still there. 
All right. So let me, let me switch gears now. Let's go back to something else. I just felt like I needed to take that rabbit trail. Someone needed to hear it, all right? Uh, have you ever heard a person say, I touched this a minute ago, that anyone who talks about the devil and demons is bringing glory to them? I am so tired of hearing that lie of the devil. I am so tired of hearing that. If that was the case then Jesus must have brought a lot of glory to the devil because he sure wasn't silent about the enemy. Are you hearing me, somebody? He surely wasn't silent about it. What a foolish thing to say. We as Christians, the Bible says, are to expose evil, not shove it under the rug and hope that it goes away. We're supposed to expose it and deal with this thing. First of all, Satan and demonic spirits rejoice. They rejoice that they are able to operate in people's lives without being unhindered. Without, without being hindered. You know what I'm talking about? All right. Secondly, those Christians become open targets and are blinded to what the enemy's doing in their lives. They think, well, if I don't, if I don't look at them, if I don't study this thing on spiritual warfare, if I don't read a book on spiritual warfare, they're going to leave me alone. No, the thing is, you're a bigger target because you don't know how to defend yourself against them. Amen? There are so many Christians who are afraid of demons and the devil because of one reason and one reason only, a lack of knowledge of what the Word of God says and who they are in Jesus Christ. If they got a revelation of that, they would be on the offensive and not the defensive. We, I, Christians need to be on the offensive. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Let's put them on the run. Instead of running away from them. Now I want to talk about five tactics that Satan and demonic spirits use on this earth against us. All of these points have one common thread. They all involve deception. They all involve deception. And it is no wonder that Jesus said that Satan is the father of lies. Because everything he does is going to involve some form of deception. Number one, Satan disguises himself. Go to 2 Corinthians. He disguises himself. 2 Corinthians 11, 14 through 15. This was a no-brainer to the Apostle Paul. He, he gets done talking about false apostles, uh, false people who are call, calling themselves followers of Christ, but they're really not. They're deceivers. And then he goes on to say in verse 14, And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose, ends, whose end will be according to their works. Listen, Paul wasn't surprised that Satan disguised himself into something he, he, he wasn't. Look, how many of you heard of the whole Fatima thing? All right, where Mary appeared, so, you know, back in the day, I guess, uh, an apparition of Mary appeared to some children and said some nice things and, and gave some revelations. Hello, 
Hello, anybody home? Mary, she's dead. She's in heaven. She, that was an evil spirit disguising as Mary. These people were seen and talking to demons. So what do they do? They make a doctrine of demons. Come on, y'all aren't hearing me. Anything that's not in line with the word is a doctrine of demons. Anything. Praying to dead saints. Talking to the dead. Necromancy is what, what that's called. Are you hearing me? I don't care. I'm going to be bold about it. Because I care more about your soul than I do political correctness. All right? Listen, the enemy is not going to come into your life with a pitchfork and horns. If, if these individuals would have known the word of God, they would have easily said, Hey, you're not Mary. <laughs> you're a demon. Amen. <laughs> my, my, my. So the enemy's not going to come with, with a pitchfork and horns. I mean, even some, in some of the so-called so, so innocent things. I mean, you look at some cartoons and so-called children's movies that are filled with witchcraft. They make, it look, they make evil look so cute and innocent. But God hates it. He hates it. And we as his children must hate it also. Are you hearing me? Yeah, but Pastor James is just so cute. You know, those, those little glasses that Harry Potter wears. And, you know, it's just so cute. Ugh. I got to take a shower, man, when I talk about that. Filled with witchcraft. But, but that's the business that Hollywood is into. They try to make evil look so cute. Amen. Go to Acts 16. Let me show you something here. Acts 16. Yeah, but Pastor James, come on. It's just a book. It's just a movie. You know what? I don't think God laughs at it. I don't think God thinks it's very funny. In fact, back in the Old Testament, he killed people who were into witchcraft. Hello, somebody. It was a death penalty for those who were in witchcraft. I don't think it's funny. God's standards have not changed. All right? Acts 16, 16 through 18 here. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination or a demon, she was a psychic basically, met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, catch this, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Now, this, this is, there is some important clues here. I'm talking about how Satan disguises himself. This lady had a demon, a spirit of divination, as it called, as, as called here. And she was following Paul and Silas. And she was saying real good things. 
real good spiritual things, wasn't she? These servants are the uh, servants of the the servants of the Most High God. They're showing us the way of salvation. But Paul, as the days went on, and this lady kept doing this, on the inside, the Holy Spirit was telling Paul, something ain't right. Something ain't right. And Paul got discernment on this thing and said, this is a demon. And he commanded that demon to come out of that woman. But what I want you to notice is that 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 woman, that demonic spirit talked real spiritual. Have you ever talked to a psychic before? Oh, they'll, they'll really try to butter you up. Oh, they'll talk real spiritual. Oh, yes, this is a gift from God. And guess what? You can have this gift, too. That's one of the biggest lines of psychics, you know. Oh, yeah. One time, Elizabeth and I, we were, t- we were walking in a mall. This was when we first got saved. And, and re- you know, right in the center of the mall there, you know, there's the little kiosk, you know, and there's a psychic there. And so we went up, and we were going to witness, you know, and, and this lady starts giving us this, this, uh, this hogwash, you know, about it's from God, and she's just talking real spiritual, you know, and, oh, I just, yes, I just love people, and, you know, just want to help them with this gift from God, and so we just start, we start saying, how do you feel about the blood of Jesus? Tell me about Jesus. This lady got so flustered. Uh, she got so flustered when we started to bring up spiritual biblical truths. What was happening, demons were getting roused up in her. And she was, and they were starting to manifest. Well, so anyways, we witnessed to her and we left. And probably a few days later, we went back into the mall. She was out of there. She was gone. She was not there any longer. But my point is this. Satan will disguise himself. Evil spirits will disguise themselves. One spirit that really likes to disguise itself and be so sweet is the spirit of Jezebel. Oh, well, you just wait till we start getting into things like that. You'll really have fun with that one. But anyways, you got to know that Satan cannot create anything, but he has counterfeits. He has counterfeits. All right, there's the word of knowledge in God's side, and then there's a spirit of divination, psychics on the other side of the spectrum, all right? Go to Isaiah 14. Let me show you something here that will illuminate that truth to you. Isaiah 14 is interesting. Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. It says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, talking about Satan, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who uh, weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, catch this, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Underline this right here i will be like the most high i will be like he takes a truth from god and he perverts it he twists it satan can't create anything he's not all powerful he can't be everywhere at once but what can he do he has taken something that god has created and he can pervert it 
Satan is a pervert. Say that with me. Satan is a pervert. All right. Now, so just keep, be alert. In fact, I feel the Holy Spirit saying this. We need to ask for the gift of the discerning of spirits. You need to ask, say, God, I want more, dis- I want the gift of discerning of spirits. I w- give me clear discernment that I can discern between good and evil. Oh, how bad do we need that in this day and age? Amen? If they needed it back then, we sure need it now in this great falling away that we're in right now. The, the Bible says that many, many are going to fall away from the faith. Many. And when, when, when there, there's, there are true signs and wonders, and then there are lying sign and wonders, the Bible says. We need discernment. We need discernment like never before. Number two, Satan insinuates doubt. He tries to plant doubt into our minds. And Satan, and a good example is when Satan was deceiving Eve in the Garden of Eden. Go to Genesis 3. Genesis chapter 3, the book of beginnings, verses 1 through 4. Let's just quickly look at this this, uh, account here. It says, now the serpent, this is the devil here. Alright, he was inside a serpent here. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? There it is, there's the questioning of what God said. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So, there was, Eve spoke clarity of what God said. Then the serpent continued. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Your thought life, my thought life, is so crucial to our walk of faith. Are you hearing me? How many of you experienced that? You, you, you read a promise in the word, you're standing on something, and all of a sudden, boom, 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 these fiery darts come at your mind with doubts. God surely hasn't said that Jesus took stripes on his back that you were healed. Are you hearing me? God surely didn't say that all your needs would be provided. Come on, let's just break this down to what we're dealing with in life right now. See here, Satan was trying to put thoughts of doubt about what God clearly said was off limits to man. Don't fall into the trap. If the, listen, if the word of God says that something is off limits to the Christian, Stay away from it. Stay away from it. Don't entangle yourself in it. Remember, because no soldier of Jesus Christ entangles himself into the things or the affairs of this life or into this world system. Why? That we can please him that has enlisted us or called us. All right? So just know that Satan will, he's the one throwing these doubts into your mind. All right? Number three. Satan always, this kind of goes together, they all kind of tie in together, but Satan misuses or perverts scripture. What about Jesus' temptation in the wilderness in Matthew 4? 
Go there with me quickly. Matthew 4. He will always misuse or pervert scripture. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God. Satan, what are you talking about, if? He knew he was, that Jesus was the Son of God. There's that doubt thing. He's trying to plant it in Jesus' mind. If. But listen, Jesus didn't have a complex problem. He did not have an identity problem. Hello. If you are the Son of God, command these stones be, be, to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall... Listen, Satan is quoting Scripture to Jesus. This is in Scripture, Psalm 91. He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus came right back. Listen, the Bible says rightfully divide the word of truth. Jesus come right back with another scripture that balanced this thing out. He said, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him, to Jesus. Now you can see that how the enemy... The enemy puts scripture. And one of the biggest things, I'm just going to use a real simple one in the, in the area of healing, is Paul's thorn in the flesh. Satan will quote that scripture, my grace is sufficient for you. So Satan wants people to think that, that you know, they got to hold on to the sickness or disease to bring glory to God. And, you know, oh, the grace of God is sufficient. No, that's not what it's talking about, all right? The, the thorn was persecution. It wasn't sickness or disease. The reason God said that his grace is sufficient and he wasn't going to pull him out is because we were never promised to be delivered out of persecution. But we are, we, there is a promise to be delivered from sickness or disease. So you can see, Scripture always confirms itself. It always confirms itself. And like I said before, the devil never cross-references Scripture. The devil never rightfully divides the word of truth. He always is perverting it. All right? Um, he'll give you one, one verse and he'll twist it. And a real good one is spiritual gifts about tongues. All right. It says not, not basically, you know, not everyone has tongues. Well, that's talking about the gift of tongues, not the prayer language. So you can see how the enemy gives one scripture and, and yeah, people would say just, just with that one scripture, you know, that's true, but they're not rightfully dividing because scripture always confirms itself. Never contradicts itself. It always confirms and interprets itself. Don't ever forget that. But Jesus came against the enemy's temptation with another scripture that rightfully divided the word of truth. Number four, Satan uses schemes or tactics. Look at 2 Corinthians 2.11. What do I mean by that? I'll explain it to you here. 
2 Corinthians 2.11. He uses schemes. He uses tactics. It says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices or schemes or tactics is another word. In this context, he's talking about unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a tactic of the enemy to try to keep you in unforgiveness because it's an open door for him in your life to torment you and to bring evil upon you in this life. But I want you to notice in that scripture that it says devices or tactics. There's more. It's not just unforgiveness. There's more tactics. See, Satan tempts each person differently. He has a game plan for every person on this earth, and it's according to each one's weaknesses, all right? He's very strategic on this. Some are tempted with pornography. Some are tempted with homosexuality. Some aren't. Some are tempted with alcohol. Some aren't. Are you hearing me? So the temptation that the enemy brings in your path, the enemy's not going to waste time. Of bringing something he knows you're not interested in or, or can be tempted with. Are you hearing me, somebody? But he's going to bring something that there's a weakness in your life. A weakness through your family line. And it's tailored for each person for their specific weakness. Um, and if you don't know his devices or schemes or tactics, you will be snared by them. And Satan will have an advantage or, over you. Uh, as that scripture says in second in second corinthians two eleven so you know one good thing to do is why don 't you take an inventory on your life when you 're by yourself like what we do with people that we run through deliverance ministry, we have them fill out a questionnaire of family history. What have they been in bondage to in the past? How about the mom and dad? How about someone down the family line what we 're trying to do is we 're just trying to get a good picture of what are some of the weaknesses in the person's life. And maybe you need to sit down and do that with yourself so you can be aware of when the enemy tries to bring something your way and what you potentially could fall into and what you need to have your guards up for. Right? All right. That's a little wisdom for you there. First Peter 5. Go there with me. First Peter 5. 8 through 9. Are you still awake? <laughs> You're laughing because I know I caught you guys. All right. Just kidding. First Peter. <laughs> First Peter 5, 8 and 9. I love my RCC church family. Amen. All right. First Peter 5, 8 through 9. It says, be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he, underline it, may devour. Whoever opens the door to him. Verse 9. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. All right? I want you to notice, like I just said, whom he may devour. In other words, whoever opens the door, that's who he's going to devour. Okay? Uh, and then verse 9, I want to point this out. Verse 9 says, resist him, the enemy, steadfast in the faith. What I want to get across to you that you've got to take hold of is this. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. 
All right, here it goes. Resisting the devil is not in word only, but also in action. It don't do you any good if you're going to sit there and rebuke the devil and you're going to go hang out in the bar. Are you hearing me, somebody? All right. Resisting the enemy is not in word only, but also in action. James chapter 4, 6 and 7. James 4, 6 through 7. It says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. All right, when you are submitting your life to God in word, thought, and deed, when you're submitting your life to the Lord, you are actively resisting the devil. It's not just a shouting match at the devil. When you are resisting, or when you are submitting to God, when you're willing to lay everything down and follow and live life according to the word of God and being led by the Holy Spirit, you are actively resisting Satan and evil spirits. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That is written to Christians, by the way. That's God, that is written to Christians. So if pride causes God to resist you, what do you think, or who do you think will get a foothold in your life? Satan. Satan, that's right, that's right. See, what is pride? Pride is simply doing things your own way and not obeying God's way of doing things. It means you're resisting the word of God. You're resisting the Holy Spirit in your life. The last point I want to bring up is that Satan afflicts, hinders, and tempts believers, all right? Like I said, all these tie in together. But look at Luke uh, 13, 10 through 16. Luke 13. Almost done. Almost done. Uh, Luke 13, 10 through 16. It says, Now he, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity, a demon of infirmity, 18 years, and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to, to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue the pastor, answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered, answered him and said, hypocrite, does not each, each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey to, uh, from the stall and lead, lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman... Underline this, being a daughter of Abraham, a believer, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. A demon, a demon spirit, a spirit of infirmity, the Bible calls it, 
kept this lady who was a believer, a daughter of Abraham. She was in covenant with God. That's why she's called a daughter of Abraham. This demon kept her bound with physical infirmity for 18 years. My point, what's my point? Is that there may be some things in your life that are directly caused by a demon spirit. Whether it be emotional or even physical. For the Christian, I'm talking to Christians here. The devil and demons want to go unnoticed. They want to stay under the radar in the lives of Christians to keep them in bondage. Paul even was hindered by Satan from going to a certain location to preach the gospel. Look at 1 Thessalonians 2. Turn there quickly. I got just this one and one more scripture and it's done. First Thessalonians 2, 17 through 18. Paul, super Christian, ran up against some opposition from the enemy here. It says, but, when, but we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavor, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. Now, that doesn't say that God put a stop, that God didn't put a check in his spirit and said, no, Paul, it's not time to go. What does it say? That Satan hindered him. We're in a warfare, people, on this earth. Don't ever forget that. We are soldiers. Quickly, I want to show you something here. 1 Thessalonians 3, same book, 1 Thessalonians 3, 4 through 5, as I close right here. It says, for in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith. Lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. I want you to notice something here. When Paul, when the, when the early church preached the gospel... They told the people that you will have tribulation. You will be persecuted. What's my point? A lot of times we don't share that with people when we lead them to the Lord. And the persecution comes and they say, hey, this thing's too hard. You never told me. I'm out of here. But right from here, Paul was up front with them. He said, we told you, you're going to suffer tribulation and persecution. As you know, he said. Because how many of you know when you first become a Christian, it don't take very long until the opposition comes. And praise God for it. Amen. Thank God. I tell people, you know, if you're not stirring up some waves on this earth, if you don't have persecution, tribulation going on in your life, check up on your spiritual walk. Maybe you're just blending in too much with the world. Are you hearing me, somebody? So Paul was concerned that Satan would tempt those new Christians, and and those Christians were going to bail out of their faith because of the persecution. And that's what the enemy wants. They want us to draw back. They want us to walk away from God. They want us to get out of this race of life, this race 
that we're in for Jesus Christ. They want us to throw in the towel. And I'm here to tell you that we have authority and a greater power over Satan as Christians. But you have to use it. Don't, don't be afraid to wake when you wake up in the morning. Say, Satan, you will have no part in my life. Whatever you have in my life, I command you to leave. Leave my wife. Leave my children. Leave. I mean, just start coming at him. Coming at him offensively. And you will see results. Well, are you sure that really will do anything? Well, if you never tried it, do it. But listen. Have faith back in your words up. you got to have faith back in your words up. Amen? Amen? So get in the word and learn more about who you are in Christ. And, and who the enemy is. And boldly push down the gates of hell. And let's bring many into the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Amen? Let's stand up in this place. Hallelujah. Boldness. Boldness. Lord, I pray now that a boldness would come upon every person in this place. That a boldness would come upon every person watching this around the world right now. Hallelujah. Boldness is the word. Now maybe, maybe there's someone in this place. Someone watching me online, someone listening to me on the radio or or internet around the world. And you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You are a punching bag for the enemy. And you're on a one-way road to hell without Jesus Christ. And it's hell for eternity. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you have never made Jesus Lord of your life... You need to do it right now. You need to do it while there's breath in your lungs. Because the Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die. And then the judgment. That's it. Last breath. When you're gone from this earth, your eternity has been sealed. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, meet me up here. Right over here by this drum set. And I want to pray with you. Those of you watching online, you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, you simply say this and mean it with your whole heart. Listen, I'm not into false conversions here. You need to know you're a sinner and you need the Savior. Without Christ, you're going to hell for eternity. And if you're unsure about that at all, you need to pray this prayer and believe it with your whole heart. You need to say, God, I am a sinner. And I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on the cross, shed His blood for me. He rose on the third day. And it's that Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, the Son of God, that I make Lord, that I confess as Lord of my life. I believe it in my heart, and I confess it with my mouth. Jesus is Lord. Now, maybe there's someone in here, you want to rededicate your life to the Lord. Plain and simple, if you do not have assurance of your salvation, if you were to drop dead now, you don't know where you would go. You need to meet me up here, and I want to pray with you you want to receive the Holy Spirit baptism I want you to come forward you need healing in your physical body if you need healing in your emotions or prayer for anything just meet me up here I'm going to open up the altar just come down worship the Lord as the music plays
Stay. 
pray your favor to be upon Andrew, that you would lead and guide his steps by your Holy Spirit, order his steps in your word, that he would get that perfect job that you have for him, that he would be in the will of God for his life, that he would be blessed, and he would touch many souls for Jesus. Hallelujah. Um, uh, uh, Michael, to be uh, delivered and healed from alcoholism. In the name of Jesus, I command the spirit of alcoholism, the spirit of addiction and all of its kind that are binding this individual to come out in Jesus' name right now. And Lord, we pray that all parts of, of his physical body that are affected, that, it, that is craving this alcohol, we speak healing to every part right now of his body. And we say be healed. I command the liver and all the parts, every organ to be healed right now. Be strengthened in the name of Jesus. Um, this individual wants us to pray for them to get a house. Salvation for Grant Lloyd Walter uh, in, in these individuals. So Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this individual who, who's desiring a house. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would meet the desire of their heart. Lord, whoever you are, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So, Lord, open the doors. Let favor be upon this individual. And, Lord, these individuals that need to be uh, saved, Lord, I pray you would send laborers into their path who will speak your word to them. Lord, people who are radical for Jesus would come into their path, would speak the word, show them the way to Jesus, and lead them to him. And that your Holy Spirit would do miracles in the lives of these people. In Jesus' name. Uh, this individual, Ros Rosalind, needs freedom from alcoholism and torment uh, from losing her little girl, Jillian. She, her little girl must have passed away, I see. And obviously, there's been, she's been using alcoholism as a band-aid for her sorrow. Rosalind, I can tell you in the name of Jesus, with all authority that you come to God wholeheartedly and he will give you strength to make it through every day from the loss of your child, your little girl. 
and you come back to Jesus and one day there's going to be that sweet reunion. But until that day comes, you need to hold on to the anchor of God's word because he is the only one who can get you through the loss of a loved one. So right now, Lord, I pray that the glory of God, the manifest presence of God would surround Rosalind right now. And you do miracles in her life. I command every demonic spirit that's binding her to come out in Jesus' name right now. And for healing to come in. For every part that is craving that alcohol. I, say, I command that craving to go. And for every organ to be healed. Every body part to be healed. Every chemical to be balanced. In Rosalind's brain and in her body. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, well, thank you for watching us today. And get into the Word. Find out who you are in Christ. And you'll see us next week in Jesus' name. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.